Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times and the Pointer Institute. On this podcast, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm a former enterprise editor at The Times. Today's topic, a brother's bond. So as always, I always want to know where Lane finds these stories. And this story, um, which is about twin brothers, and one has autism, um, but her focus is on the other one. Um, How did you find these guys? So a lot of times the stories find me, right? Like, (laughs) um, I was covering this other story. It was a really, really sad story about this couple that had adopted all these terminally ill children from foster care. So babies up to age 10, and they would take these kids from foster care, hospice, hospitals, and bring them to their big house in the country and let them live out their final days out in the country. And um, then they had a family graveyard where they buried like 30 something children. Amazing story, right? Um, Super duper sad. So they had this one little girl who I think was three or four that they had just taken in and they wanted to baptize her before she died. So I asked if I could come to the church with them on that Sunday when they were going to baptize this little girl. And we're sitting in church (laughs) waiting for them to baptize this little girl. And there are these two boys behind me. Um, that were like kicking the one is kicking the pew and he's taking his shirt off and he's throwing paper and he's making all these like animal sounds. And I kept trying not to turn around, but you couldn't almost not turn around, you know? And one thing that was interesting was that nobody else seemed to be interested, but me, like everybody else seemed to be like, Oh, these, this is these kids that always do this. But I was like, what is going on? And then I saw that the the other brother was holding him in his lap. They were 12 years old. But the one brother was holding his twin brother in his lap and like giving him lollipops and telling him to put his shirt back on and stop picking his nose and rubbing his shoulder and like, it's going to be okay, you know. And then at at a certain point in the church service, after they baptized the little girl, so my part of the story is over, right? After they baptized the little girl I was there for, the little boys went out the back door to the playground. And I kind of like looked at the photographer I was with and we were like, and so we, we went out to follow them outside to the playground and um, I didn't talk to them there because I didn't want to bother them and their mother was not outside. I thought I don't want to be a creepy person, but we sort of sat on the bench and watched them. And the dynamic between them was just so amazing. And my son was 12 at the time too. And so I kind of knew like him and his brother are always fighting and like not fighting, but you know, punching at each other and like arguing. And this guy was so bent on taking care of his his little brother. I had no idea what was going on, but I was completely drawn to that scene and that relationship. And so when the mom came out um, to get them after church, I started talking to her and figured out that um, Ryan was autistic and, uh, and Anthony was this incredibly gifted scholar student, but that Anthony completely spent most of his time taking care of his brother. And then 
you said, I'd like to write a story about them. And mom is like, what did she say? Mom was so proud of Anthony. She said she she was so worried that his life was going to be tainted or, or harmed or lesser in some way because he felt this overwhelming obligation to take care of his brother. And she, mm-hmm. she wanted him to be celebrated for smart, proactive, incredibly gifted kid that he was. And so she, I did not have to do a lot of talking her into it at all. She was like, is it about Anthony or Ryan? I said, it's about Anthony helping take care of Ryan. And she was like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. I was going to say, so for you always, it was about Anthony. And it was like the contrast of like your kids being their normal rough house, um, you know, not get along, uh, kids that most siblings are. Um, and then seeing this boy and, and how he behaved. Right. And- yeah. And to just see this, I mean, 12 years old and he had such a, a paternal way with his brother, you know? So I'm thinking to myself, how do you get your grown woman, um, a stranger to this boy? How do you get this 12 year old boy to tell you the things that he ended up telling you? Because he seemed to not hold back. I mean, he seemed to be very open with you about kind of the uh, kind of matter of fact about his life and sort of how he, how they went about it. I mean, what did you do, Lane? How how do you make that work? He he held back. He did hold back. Um, so I ended up going back the next week and spending the day with them on a Sunday and kind of went to church in the morning with them and um, watched and witnessed mostly through church. And then they came home and the mom was making lunch. And um, I went and sat in their bedroom and Anthony didn't really want to talk to me. Anthony wanted to play Minecraft. And Ryan was pretty much unaware that I was there. You know, he, he was kind of turning circles and in his own world, you know. Um, Anthony was kind of annoyed, I think, that I was there. And the questions that I were asking him was asking him, I think, seemed really stupid and obvious to him, you know. Um, <laughs> and he let me, he, he wasn't mean about it, but just kind of let me know dismissively, like, okay, lady. And it was kind of like, that was what I felt like the the attitude was like, okay, lady, what, you know. And I probably spent at least an hour sitting on the floor in his bedroom, watching him play Minecraft and just kind of talking to him from behind his back, below his level about the game, about school, about uh, video games in general. My son was a big Minecraft player then. And so I could talk to him about the game. And as long as he was playing his game and not looking at me, like I was behind him and on the floor, he would talk to me, you know, but when I tried to sit at him across from him at the table or sit beside him on the bed, he just shut down. So it was like, it was a weird, you know, spatial thing for me to figure out, but he did not, he did not want me looking at him. You know, he wanted to keep doing his thing on the video game and then he would talk, you know. And so, I mean, so part of the technique was talking about other things and then moving him over to the topics you really wanted to get to. And then, I mean, so somewhere you had a breakthrough, right? Because he did, it did seem like, um, it didn't feel that way reading the story. It felt like you de- like he definitely kind of was, um, and, and really mature for a 12 year old. I mean, like able to express himself. Well, maybe that's why he thought your questions were dumb, but that he was able to express himself really well about the circumstance he was in, you know? He was, he was a very, very, very bright and introspective boy. Um, and you know, he, he was careful that he didn't want to make Ryan look bad. You know, I mean, I, I, this is another observational thing. Like they shared bunk beds, you know, and Anthony had the top bunk bed. And when I sat down on the bottom bunk bed, I realized that there was a big bag of pampers there. I didn't know that 12 year old 
Ryan still needed his diaper changed, you know? And so that opened another set of questioning. And, and lo and behold, yeah, Anthony was changing his brother's diaper. I mean, that he was never going to say that to me, you know? But when I saw the bag of Pampers on the bottom of the bed, I said, oh my gosh, does, does your mom have to get up and change him in the middle of the night? And he's like, no, I, I do that. I'm not going to wake my mom. You know, <laughs> it's like, oh my God. So a lot of times it's just you seeing clues to react on, you know? And then I, I think it was... Trying to think, Maria, who was the the wonderful journalism teacher who kept talking about the why of the why? Do you remember that lady? And she had a rock and it said why. Oh yes. Oh gosh. She was from the Charleston, West Virginia paper, right? Kate Long. Yes. Was it Kate Long? Long? Kate Long, yes. It's, and she so she had this wonderful thing which she talked about. You don't just ask somebody why they do something, you want to keep asking it, but why, but why, but why? And I was doing that trying with Anthony, trying to get him to say, well, why do you feel this obligation to take care of Ryan? Your mother doesn't want you to. Your father doesn't want you to. There's people that your mother has come help. Why do you feel like you have to do this? Don't you want to go like play basketball with your friends or whatever? And he was so frustrated with me. And he finally just got to the, and I probably asked it 10 different times, you know, in different ways. And he finally just looks up at me. Maybe the first time he even made eye contact with me. He's like, lady, you don't get it, do you? You just don't get it we're twins. That could be me. And I just started crying at that moment because I didn't get it. I, I wasn't thinking of, I was thinking about this altruistic kid and it was much more of the fact that like for the stroke yeah. of fate or God, I could be this guy that would need someone to change my diaper, you know? And yeah. I'm crying now just thinking about it, just the, the level of maturity of this 12 year old to, to also recognize his own fortune you know, and be grateful enough for that, that he wanted to help his brother. I just, that, to me, that's still one of the most, most um, selfless relationships I've ever written about. He knows he's lucky. And, and then, you know, which role would you rather have? Well, in that, if when you look at it through that lens, then yes, obviously um, it's, it's not as much of a sacrifice. It doesn't feel like as much of a sacrifice. Um but wow, for a 12-year-old to know that. <laughs> yeah, and I think he did mention at some point, well, maybe Ryan's happier because he doesn't know. You know, he doesn't He doesn't know that, that you're not supposed to be 12 in a diaper, you know? <laughs> like, um, but, you know, I, I mean, I write about so many caregiver relationships and you think, oh, of course a parent's going to take care of their ailing child or a child's going to take care of their ailing parent or a spouse is going to take care of their ailing spouse. But a 12-year-old twin brother, to me, that was just a whole other relationship. It's, it's definitely Anthony's story, but it came across as this sort of like the world through his eyes, very much so. Um, and so I don't know that I have a question here, but I'm like, obviously that, that felt very purposeful. I wanted to tell it in his voice as much as I could, you know. I, I look back now at some of my stories, you know, over 30 years, and I think a lot of times I'm writing about kids who are the same age as my kids. Right. And I don't think that's coincidental. I think it's like, oh, I get 12-year-old boys now. Oh, I get 15-year-old boys now, you know, and or even right. the, the girls, sometimes they're friends. So I think, you know, that's it's interesting to me, like hearing that voice and trying to capture that in the telling of the story, you know, it's, we've talked about this before, I believe, but a lot of, I think a lot of the best way to find your own voice is to try to use the voice of the person you're writing about, you know. Yeah. Um, this reminded me of the story, and we were just talking about this recently, the story you did back when we were both at the pilot about the family that had a child with cancer. And you ended up writing not about the child with cancer, not about the parents taking care of the child with cancer, but you wrote about the siblings whose lives were also affected, of course, heavily by what was going on with their sick, sick 
uh, brother. Um, and it was such an interesting perspective because it's like all the attention went in one place and these kids don't, don't get that attention. This reminded me a little bit of that because here's the boy that obviously his needs sometimes I'm assuming have to come secondary to his brother. But, but it, again, it reminds me of these conversations that we always have about stakeholders and, and who the interesting people are and that you, you know, sometimes you're looking at the person who's not the obvious, uh, focus of the story and then you look at people around that and and the and the people who wouldn't always make I mean because here right you know if you were doing a story about autism you might think oh well the parents are the ones who could really express themselves and say to you what that's like to deal with that but having it from the perspective of the brother is just amazing it's just a different you know it, it's yeah. so so powerful turning that camera to the different play you know a different viewpoint a different perspective I think that's always rewarding so talk a little, have you learned other things about interviewing kids, especially um, any tactics that you employ? I mean, like, so you got down on his level in this case and you wanted him to ignore you. Um, but um, any, any other things that you've learned over the years? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, yeah, actually, that was a Diana Sugg pointer. Diana Sugg, who's a Pulitzer Prize winner, who actually grew up three houses away from me in Maryland, which is crazy. Diana said when she was interviewing kids, she always wanted to be below them. You know, like she wanted to be below their level, not even equal to the level so that she had to look up to them. And I think that's a brilliant, a brilliant technique, you know, mm -hmm. um, doing the interview in his room, you know, where he was comfortable, not in the kitchen, not in the living room, you know, like let's sit in your bedroom. I think especially kids, that's their one sanctuary that, that says who they are in a way, you know, that if I'm going to interview you, I'm going to totally want to see your whole house. But Anthony and Ryan shared a room, you know, that I needed, right. I knew I needed to do the interview there. Um, sort of had him take me on a tour of the house, you know, like show me around, tell me what does he point out? What's interesting to him, you know? Um, and then letting him talk about what he wanted to talk about for a while, which a was nothing, <laughs> but B was Minecraft. So, you know, letting him have some minutes to tell me how great he is at Minecraft and why he likes this game, which had nothing to do with my story, but let him drive the bus for a little bit. And, you know, I wanted to almost be like, of course, this is going to sound weird, but like if your kid's having a friend over, like, I want to be the friend he has over and like, show me your house, show me what you're interested in, introduce me to your dog, you know, and let him, let him be the leader for a little bit. So even, it sounds like even like when you interview adults, you know, letting them have some sense of control here and there. So it doesn't feel like you are overwhelming them, um, which is also, uh, you know, going back to that whole key of being patient and not letting, you know, deadlines or pressure overwhelm you in the moment and letting it just, you know, being, being patient enough to let it play out a little bit. And I think it's important to give your people some agency, you know, let them say, do you have any questions for me? What are you worried about? You know, I, here's what I want to tell the story, but what do you see the story as, you know, and letting them feel like they're part of it, I think really helps gain their trust. Um, so I noticed you wrote this story the same year as the girl in the window. And I just wondered if, 
Brian and Danny, I mean, those two characters, um, was it, I, I, you know, I assume that you didn't get a lot out of Ryan, that you couldn't really connect a lot with him in this case. But he was so much more interactive than Danny was, you know, especially in his connections with his brother and his mom and dad. He, he was much more, he knew he was loved and was safe. He wasn't scared and having tantrums, you know. I mean, that was a little triumphant now that you mentioned that now, though. So people out there listening, you know, the girl in the window story came from the Heart Gallery director, which is the people who put foster kids up for adoption, who also gave me the story about the family that adopted all these little kids who were dying, to, that were being buried, at, and who also gave me the story then about the autistic twins. So that was a three, four. I got, I got a hat trick off of that story of just forming a relationship with this PR lady who came to understand the types of stories that I wanted to tell, you know, shout out to Carolyn Eastman. She's still sending me ideas. Yeah. <laughs> this one at least. Uh, okay. This is a little, nobody dies in this story. <laughs> nobody was abused. That's good. Um, uh, you know, I did, I did wonder about, I, I, Anthony almost seems too perfect, but, but I almost wondered if that's because he's 12, like at 13 or 14, he might not be so perfect. Um, it might be a different story entirely, but you know, it is, it's the moment that you're in. Exactly. And, and I did, I tried to find the bruise on Anthony's apple. I, I asked his parents, I asked the Sunday school teacher, I, you know, I tried to find somebody who had anything. I, I interviewed his teacher, uh, his basketball coach, and, and nobody had anything to say bad about Anthony, except for, I hope he learns how to have fun. I, I hope he lets go enough that he gets to be a little boy sometimes, you know, there was nothing negative about Anthony whatsoever that I could find or that I witnessed. And even in the moments that I would have wanted to smack that kid if it was my brother, you know what I mean? There's a lot of frustration and just horrible, like, really, that's going to go to this. And then Anthony was infinitely patient, you know, but it was like, so back to the girl in the window, William, Danny's adopted brother was the same age. Right. And he was infinitely patient and in love with Danny and willing to take her and show her the world and drive her around the Barbie car well, three years later, when we went back to the story, when he was 15, he had nothing to do with her. He was done. It was a pain. It was interrupting his life. He wasn't mean, but it was just like he was not in that relationship anymore. So, yes, I think 12 is a maybe a magical spot where you're sort of like old enough that you're no longer a child, but you're not a teenager yet. And you can still have this kind of sweetness and giving where you don't have a selfishness that maybe a teenager would have. You know? Right. Um, I'm just struck how often or how not often we don't, we don't write really about children that often. And when we do, it's usually awful circumstances, uh, you know, things that went wrong. So, I mean, that's another reason I think this story stands out because it's like, you know, you're really kind of celebrating a sibling who loves, loves his brother and, you know, is willing to do some of this lovely stuff and take care of him. And, uh, again, Lane paying attention to her surroundings, um, you know, when things are going on. Um, did you, uh, do you, you haven't stayed in touch with this family. You don't know what's, what's gone on with them. I wish I had. They don't live in Tampa Bay. They live another two hours uh, east of here. So yeah. I, I, I just haven't. They weren't on social media and I have not. I wish I had. I wish I'd kept up with them. They'd probably be about 24 now. What do, was it, what was a strong reaction to the story when it came out? Yes, especially from the autism community. It, it got picked up on a lot, awful lot of parenting groups and autism sites and things like that. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. All right. Uh, again, we'll link to the story so you can read it. And uh, thank you all for listening. 
Don't forget you can find other episodes on pointer.org forward slash right lane. And please join our Facebook group. This podcast was produced by Jesse Lauk. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.